Welcome to the teaching ministry of Elevation Church. Today we'll hear from Pastor Mike. Please turn to Ephesians chapter 6 and let's join in now. When you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, something happened to you, and I'm not even sure if you're aware that you know that this happened. You see, when you made a decision uh, to receive Christ as your Savior, um, what happened was you signed on a dotted line. You signed on a dotted line to be a soldier, a soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, when you think about wartime and soldiers, you know that um, when somebody decides, I'm going to be a soldier, well, in times of war, that soldier is often called to the front lines of battle. And in the same way as soldiers of Jesus Christ, we've been called to step up and to go to the front lines of a spiritual battle. In other words, the Lord doesn't want us hanging out back here, being a casual Christian, What he wants each and every one of us to do is to get serious about our faith. He doesn't want us to be back here kind of half-heartedly serving the Lord, as I said a little while ago, kind of showing up at church twice a month, sitting in a pew, never connecting, never serving, never growing, never giving. That's not his will. Nominal Christianity is not God's will for any blood-bought, born-again Christian. He wants us in response to his grace. And by the way, how many of you guys are really happy that God met you and with his grace he saved you from your sins uh, by the blood of Jesus Christ? Are you really happy about that? Okay. So in response to that grace, not that we're doing anything to earn salvation, in response to that that grace we say, Lord, I'm going to get serious. I'm going to go to the front lines of battle in a spiritual battle. And so when you do that, when you make that commitment to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, what you got to understand is that there's somebody waiting for you on the front lines of battle. He's an enemy. And he's vicious. And I've just seen the last week how vicious this enemy can be. And so you got to be ready. Every soldier who goes to battle needs to know at least two things before he goes out to those front lines. If you're taking notes, here's the two things. Every soldier needs to understand who is my enemy, and every soldier needs to understand what is my armor. Otherwise, if you don't know those two basic things, you're not going to do well on the front lines of battle. And so Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and by the way, we believe that this book is God's word, that absolutely every word of it, all 66 books from Genesis to Revelation in the original manuscripts is God's breathed out word. And so the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he answers these two questions. And so we're going to dig in now in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord... And in the strength of his might, put on the full, what's the next three words? Help me out. Armor of God. It's what today is all about. So that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of who? The devil. He's real. He's not a figment of our imagination. He's not some dude with a red cape and horns and a pitchfork. He's actually real. And so he says in verse 12, for our struggle, our fight, is not against flesh and blood. 
but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Did you guys know that your battle, your fight, your struggle, you know, is not against your spouse? Maybe some of you guys had an argument with your spouse this week, and you think that your battle is with him or her. It's not against your friend. It's not against your coworker. It's not against that neighbor who annoys you, right? In Florida, we have these things called sprinklers, and we have uh, lawns that are green, and the sprinklers sometimes go over into our neighbor's lawns, and sometimes neighbors uh, get upset about that kind of thing. And so um, it's not your neighbor. It's not anybody. Did you read what it said here? Uh, verse 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Who do we wrestle against? Principalities, powers, spiritual forces. And so if you're taking notes, who's our enemy? Our enemy is Satan. And our enemy is demons. Satan, the devil, is what Paul calls him um, there in, at the end of verse 11. And the devil has a network of demons that follow him. Now, I know that some people have a hard time with this. And they say, well, why would a good God create an evil being? And you need to understand Christianity 101. God, a good God did not create an evil being. A good God created a perfect angel. And he gave this perfect angel, like he gave all angels, this gift, this gift called free will. So sometime in an eternity past, God created a perfect angel. His name was Lucifer. And so before Satan ever became Satan, he was Lucifer. The, the word Satan, by the way, means adversary. And the word Lucifer means shining one. And so sadly, at some point in his existence, sometime in eternity past, this perfect angel who was good and holy, um, never sinned, right? All of a sudden... Because he was so beautiful and so bright and so amazing, something happened in his heart, and his heart became twisted. What scholars believe is that this guy fell in love with himself. This angel fell in love with himself. He became enamored with his beauty, with his gifts, with his brightness, with his glory. And his heart became proud. It was the first sin ever committed in the history of the universe, in the history of eternity. And so a prideful heart... Never likes anybody to be above them or better than them. And so this being actually led a rebellion against God. So a created being, Lucifer, and, and you know, he's, he's so intelligent, but he's so twisted, he's dumb. Because this created being, Lucifer, actually led a rebellion against the, the uncreated, eternal God. Yahweh God, the God of the Bible. And he somehow deceived a third of the angels, this is Revelation 12, 4, a third of the angels to join him in his rebellion against God. He said in Isaiah 14, if you want to read more about Satan, you can later on this week read Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28, uh, the book of Revelation is filled with stuff about him. But in Isaiah 14, this proud angel made five I will, self-willed statements. And the last statement that he made, um, in Isaiah 14, he said, I will be like the most high God. I will, I will, I will. And God said, no, you won't. And God pretty much gave him the boot. And Satan fell. 
Jesus said in Luke 10, 18, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now think about that for a minute. That's an amazing verse. Some people think that Jesus was just a man, that Jesus uh, began in the womb of Mary. No, absolutely not. What separates the cults from true Christianity is Christology. It's what you believe about Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ was not created. Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God. Okay, so the eternal Son of God became a man. And so before Mary, before he was in the virgin's womb, he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning uh, from heaven. Where did Satan fall to? Down here to earth. And somebody says, well, what's he doing down here on earth? He's trying to kill you. He's trying to destroy you. Jesus said that in John 10.10. He said, the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But the Lord said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And so the bad news is that Satan wants to destroy us. And he really is vicious. But the good news is, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Okay? And so God is greater. Jesus is greater. And he's given us certain armor. And if we'll just put it on, then we'll be able to stand strong against the enemy. So who's our enemy? His name is Satan. He has demons. So what's our armor? We're going to find out right now in verse, verses 13 through 17. Okay? So please follow along. Ephesians 6, verse 13. Therefore, take up the full, what's the next three words? Armor of God. Okay, he's writing to Christians. He's saying this is what you need to do. (laughs) Why? So that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything, to stand firm. Can I just say before I go on that I've been doing this for a long time, and I have seen good Christians get the snot beat out of them, by the enemy, and they're gone. They don't go to church anymore. Um, They're not serving the Lord anymore because they did not put on the full armor of God. They did not stand firm um, in the strength that the Lord provides. Jesus said to Peter, 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 Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you. Okay, And so I'm not trying to scare anybody this morning, but what you got to understand is that the enemy wants to get you derailed. He wants to get you um, um, off of this path of following the Lord. He wants to get you off the front lines. He wants you to go back to this nominal Christianity, right? And so he wants to sift you like wheat and me like wheat. And so we got to put on this armor, and he says now in verse... um, Uh, 14, stand firm therefore. Okay, so here's the six pieces of armor. Having girded your waist with truth. Everybody say truth. Okay, that's the first piece. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Everybody please say righteousness. There's your second piece. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of, everybody say peace. There's your third piece. In addition to all, taking up the shield of, everybody say, faith. There's your fourth piece. 
with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take up the helmet of, everybody say, salvation. Okay, the idea there is assurance of your salvation. Doesn't depend on you. Depends on Jesus. And then finally, the sword. By the way, this is your only offensive weapon. The sword of the Spirit, which is the, everybody say, word of God. Word of God, okay? And so in our time remaining, we're going to briefly go through each of the six pieces of armor Learn how to put those pieces on so that we can actually stand firm against this adversary that we have who wants to sift us like wheat. Okay, so if you're taking notes, the first piece of armor is the belt of truth. Before a Roman soldier went into battle, he had to make sure he had on his belt. By the way, why did Paul use the metaphor of um, a Roman soldier's um, um, armor? It's because... If you're new to the Bible, in the first century, the Roman Empire ruled the world, the known world. Roman soldiers were everywhere. If we were in the, living in the first century, um, we, we may not be gathering together like we are today, uh, publicly and openly. We'd probably be meeting in houses privately. But when you go out of your house, it'd be very common for you to see a Roman soldier standing there. Everybody knew the Roman soldiers. They knew their armor. So Paul uses their armor as a metaphor for the armor of God. He says the belt of truth. Okay, if you notice on the belt of truth, um, it's made of leather, it's thick, um, it's large, and it's got this apron made up of thick pieces of leather hanging down um, with uh, metal plates in the leather. And of course, that apron was to, to protect the soldier's midsection um, in battle. And so just like a soldier's got to put on the belt before he goes into battle, Paul's saying in the scriptures, I want you to put on truth. Truth. Why? Because truth will protect you from the attacks of the enemy. You got to have truth. The devil is a liar. You say, how do you know if the devil is lying? If his lips are moving, he's lying. Right? And so this is what we need right here. We need the truth. And so we got to put on the belt of truth. Okay, quick side note. We're talking about spiritual warfare here. All right, so when you think about spiritual warfare, do you guys know where the primary battle for spiritual warfare takes place? It's not in some battlefield over in the Mideast somewhere. It's right between your ears. It's your mind. And that's why the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10.5, take Every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Now, wow, what a tall order, right? Take, and by the way, this is not for nominal Christians, right? No, no, no. This describes the Christian, the man, the woman who loves Jesus and is on the front lines. And they're so devoted that they're willing to take every thought captive. They're willing to pay attention to what they're thinking about all through the day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all the way through the rest of the week. It is said that the average person thinks 50,000 thoughts every single day. That's a lot of thoughts, isn't it? God says take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Don't give in to stinking thinking, right? In other words, the thoughts that come into our brain that are from our sin nature, probably prompted by the enemy. we got to take those thoughts captive, thoughts of lust, Thoughts of fear, thoughts of gossip, 
Thoughts of jealousy, right? Thoughts of, of uh, bitterness against our fellow believers. Martin Luther, the great reformer, he said this. You've probably heard it before. It's a very famous statement. He said, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop it from building a nest in your hair. Right today, as you're walking out to your car, you may have a couple birds that fly over your head. Okay, so that's, no one can stop that. But is anybody in this place going to allow a bird to actually land on your hair and then actually start to build a nest in your hair? No. Okay, so the analogy here is you can't stop a fleeting thought from going through your brain. It's going to happen. But you can choose whether you're going to dwell on that thought. You can choose whether you're going to allow one thought to turn to ten thoughts to turn to a hundred thoughts of lust and bitterness and anger and fear, right? What I tell my congregation back home all the time is you have a choice because a lot of people, they get hurt by somebody in the body of Christ, and what do they do? Instead of taking that thought captive, they rehearse it and nurse it and curse it. They begin to dwell about how terrible this person is and how could this person say this about me and I'm going to get this person back and they get all into a funk and what you're doing is you're hanging out back here instead of doing what the Lord said, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And so when that bad thought goes to your head, what you got to do is take it captive and then replace it. Okay, we're talking about how do you do spiritual warfare. It's right here. You take the thought captive, and then you replace it. What do you replace it with? Philippians 4.8. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue and there, if there be anything praiseworthy. Listen, think. Everybody say think. Think on these things. And so you take the sinful thought captive and then you replace it with something in Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. And what you're doing is you're putting on the armor of God. You're putting on the belt of truth. And it's going to hold you together in that difficult day. Second piece of armor, if you're taking notes, is the breastplate of righteousness. Before a Roman soldier went out to battle, he put on this metal breastplate. And it was metal because it had to protect his vital organs, his heart, his lungs, as he's out there doing battle. And so just like a Roman soldier puts on a breastplate of, right, of, of metal, Paul says to us, you got to put on a breastplate of righteousness. Okay, now don't get confused. This is not talking about self-righteousness. It's not, I don't believe it's talking about our righteousness at all. It's talking about Christ's righteousness. And if you've come to a place where you understand the true gospel of grace, then you know in Romans chapter 4, you guys remember Abraham, 2000 B.C., the father of our faith, the hero in, in, in um, uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Okay, Abraham, it said that he believed God and it, his faith was accounted to him for righteousness. Okay, and so in the same way, Again, I don't know you guys. I don't know your background. I hope you come to this place. But when you came to the, to the place where you turn from your sins and you put your faith in Christ alone, the Son of God, 
your faith was accounted to you as righteousness. Not your righteousness, God's righteousness. In other words, he clothed you with this robe of righteousness. Now you can stand before a holy God and not tremble because you've blown it, you've sinned. Now you can stand before a holy God in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And you never have to worry about his wrath because you're his child. He accepts you because of what Christ has done. And so that's the breastplate of righteousness. Now what the enemy does, he's called in Revelation the accuser of the brethren. He will accuse you night and day, all day long before the throne of God. That's his present ministry right now. Great ministry, right? He accuses you before God. And so he'll remind you of your sin. The sin maybe you committed last week, last month, six months uh, ago. You remember that? Remember that? Remember that? Listen, when that happens, you got to discern the difference between the voice of God and the voice of the enemy. The voice of God does not condemn. The voice of God does not do this while you're down. The voice of God lifts you up as a child of God, encourages you, loves you, forgives you. The enemy is always trying to do this. You remember that sin? Remember that sin? Remember that sin? Trying to keep you down, trying to keep you back here. And so what you've got to do is you've got to remind the enemy and yourself, I'm clothed with the breastplate of righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus Christ, that'll never change. God accepts me not because of what I have done or have not done. God accepts me fully because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross 2,000 years ago. And I, I just think that right there is worthy of us putting our hands together and thanking the Lord for what he's done for us on the cross. Praise God for that, right? We're free. We're forgiven. Third piece, the shoes of Peace. Third piece of armor is the shoes of peace. So you notice those cleats on the bottom? The reason that those sandals, those sturdy sandals had cleats on the bottom, because when the Roman soldier went out, he had to have good traction in his hand-to-hand combat. Paul says, I want you uh, to put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. Okay, here's the good news. The good news is that when you go to the Father in the name of Jesus in prayer, he gives you peace. That's what the Lord does. That's one of his ministries, his good ministry in this day that we live in today. Paul said in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, he said, be anxious for nothing. Okay, that's a word of the Lord for somebody right now. Be anxious. Anxious for nothing. Modern day translation, don't worry about anything. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer, everybody say prayer, and supplication, let your request be made known to God, and the peace, everybody say peace, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Here's how it happens. A difficult time comes. You put on the shoes with the cleats of the gospel of peace, the difficulty comes and comes and comes, and instead of trying to figure out, figure it all out by yourself, what you do is you begin to pray. And then as you pray, at some point, as you persevere in prayer, God gives you peace. And as God gives you peace, now you have stability on that difficult day. And man, you can do anything. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I've seen this. I've proven by God's grace this verse to be true. 
in all these years of ministry and in life, difficult times have come to me. Some really vicious attacks have come to me. And here's what happens. I'll go for a prayer walk. And I may be gone for 45 minutes. I don't care. I'm going to get God's peace. And I keep praying and persevering in prayer. And at some point, God's peace comes. And I know that, not just in my head, but experientially, I know that he is sovereign. He's got everything under control. And that peace that he gives me in my heart, as his spirit witnesses to my spirit, that peace that he gives me helps me to have stability on that difficult day. He wants to do the same thing in your life, but you got to persevere in prayer. The fourth piece is the shield of faith. I know I'm running through this really fast, so listen fast. Okay? The shield of faith. Anybody ever seen the movie Gladiator? You remember the first scene? The Roman armies marching out against the barbarians. And they all have the shield of faith. And as they're all marching out shoulder to shoulder into the battlefield, what happens is that the barbarians, at the same time, they take their hundreds of arrows that they've dipped in pitch and lit on fire, and they're shooting those arrows, hundreds of them, simultaneously. All hell is coming down on the advancing Roman army. But that's okay. Because at just the right point, the captain gives the command and the Roman army simultaneously kneels down under their shields of faith is the metaphor for us. But they, 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 get, they get underneath those shields and that extinguishes the flaming arrows of the enemy. It's called the shield of what? Faith. Where does faith come from? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so just like the barbarians shot their flaming arrows at the advancing army of Rome, so Satan and his demons are going to shoot their arrows at the advancing army of the church. He has shot, he will continue to shoot his arrows against Elevation Church Billings because this is the real deal. The gospel of grace is being preached here. The, the Bible is being taught. People are being won to Christ. People are following Jesus Christ. They're being exhorted in Sunday morning and in life groups to follow Jesus Christ. Right? And so the enemy hates that. And so he's shooting his arrows. And so what we, what we have to do, we got to realize that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So we, just like the Roman army, have got to take our shields of faith in environments where the Bible is taught discussed, interlock them with other believers. So every Sunday morning when you come to church, that's what you're doing. You're interlocking your shield with other believers. Whenever you go to a a small group in the fall, you're interlocking your shield with other believers. And you're allowing those shields of faith to extinguish the fiery darts of the wicked one. Fifth piece of armor, if you're taking notes, it's the helmet of salvation. And I said earlier, the idea here is the assurance of your salvation. Because once you come to Christ, you come to Christ. You're justified. You're saved. And so you're p- supposed to put on this helmet of salvation. Did you know that the number one attack of the enemy against a believer is to try to get them to doubt their salvation? And so what you and I have to do, this is what I did when I was 17 years old. I grew up thinking that I had to be a good person and earn my way to heaven. 
And then one day I heard the gospel of grace and I put my faith in Christ alone and I was saved. But then four or five months later, I began to doubt my salvation. I went to a Christian conference and I wrote out and I still had these papers from 32 years ago of all the plan of salvation and and verses about the assurance of salvation. And by God's grace, I've never doubted my salvation in 32 years. Why? Because it's not based on what I've done. It's based on the promises of God's word. Like Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Verses like that. Write them out. Memorize them. And the next time the, the enemy tries to put a guilt trip on you, stand on God's word. And then here's your last piece of armor. It's called the sword of the spirit. The sword of the spirit. Now, there were two types of swords that the Roman soldier would use. He'd use this big, large, broad sword where he'd try to take the head off of his opponent. But then he used a dagger. The dagger... 12, 16 inches, the Machaira, that's what Paul was referring to um, here in verse 17. It's the Machaira, the word of God. And I love Jesus and the example that he set for us in the beginning of his ministry because he showed us exactly how to use the sword of the Spirit. If you remember, after Jesus was baptized, the Spirit led him into the wilderness. By the way, Um, after you have a big victory in the Lord, don't be surprised if God leads you into some wilderness somewhere. He led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. And you remember, you guys remember the story? How the enemy kept coming to Jesus and kept tempting him, tempting him with um, uh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And every time the enemy would tempt Jesus... Jesus would quote out loud a scripture, the word of God, to the enemy. And every scripture, three temptations, three scriptures, every scripture was from the book of Deuteronomy, which makes us believe that that morning Jesus had his devotions in Deuteronomy. He was ready. And so the enemy would tempt him. He'd speak the word of God. It's kind of like, bam. And then at the end of that fight, it says that the devil left him. Do you know why the devil left Jesus? Because it, gets, it hurts to be stabbed by the word of God. And so that's what we have to do. If you're going to be victorious, this is the only offensive weapon. If you're going to be victorious against the enemy, you got to know this book. And you got to know it so well that you know the specific passages to, to fight against the specific temptations and attacks of the enemy. And there's no way you can ever know the word of God by just coming to church. You got to spend time in this word every single day. And so as we put the picture of the Roman soldier there, check it out. He's got a belt of truth on. He's got a breastplate of righteousness. He's got shoes of peace. He's got a shield of faith, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, he's ready uh, for battle. The question is, are you ready for battle? As I was preparing this message, it made me think of a video that was on the news in just the last two weeks. Maybe you saw the video about the little Japanese boy at the zoo. 
who went to visit the lions and he turned his back on the lions. You guys remember this video? If, if not, we'll, we'll play it for you. Check this out. Praise God for glass. Now, 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But if we'll put on the full armor of God, this is what will happen. Check this out. We will be protected from the attacks and the temptations of the enemy. I'm going to ask you guys to bow your heads and just close your eyes. I always like to give a little time at the end of every service for the people of God to respond to God. And I hope right now your heart is wide open to the Holy Spirit who's in this room. Because some of you guys, my heart goes out to you because you're getting beat up. And, you know, it's going to be hard. Paul told Timothy to endure suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. My question is, are you hanging out way back on the supply lines? Or have you made that decision to be a fully devoted follower of Christ on the front lines wearing the armor, the full armor of God. And so if you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, that's the first step. That's the most important thing. Your soul, according to the Bible, is going to spend eternity in one of two places, either in heaven or in hell. And Jesus made a way for your soul to be with him forever. You remember he said, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. And so he's the only way. You say, that sounds so narrow-minded. How can Jesus be the only way? Here's why. He's the only one who died on a cross for you, who shed his blood. No other religious leader did that. Can you imagine the eternal son of God became a man and hung naked on a Roman cross, taking your sin in his body, paying the penalty of hell so you could be with him forever. That's love. So if you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Savior and Lord, uh, and you want me to pray for you, I'm not going to point you out publicly, but if you want me to pray for you, just raise your hand at this time, and I'll, I'll pray for you to receive Jesus as your Savior. God bless you, sir. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? I need Jesus. I need to receive his gift of salvation and forgiveness of sins. Just raise your hand and I'll pray. All right, God bless you. God bless you. All right. And then here's the second part of the response time today. I'm speaking to Christians. And you're, you're nominal. You're casual. You're hanging out in the supply lines. And the Lord right now is calling you to take up, take that step, step up to the front lines of battle and recommit your life to serving God with all your heart. 
So if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm not really living for the Lord, but I want to come back to him today. Please pray for me. Just raise your hand. I want to include you in this prayer. God bless all you guys. Yep, all you guys. Put your hands down. So we're going to do that. We're going to pray for both sets of people today. And remember, as I lead you in prayer and you repeat after me, um, you're not saying some kind of poem here. What you're doing is that you're talking to Jesus Christ, who by his spirit is here in this place. And so for that first group, you're coming to Christ for the first time. Just repeat this um, after me in your heart to the Lord. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I'm so sorry for my sins. I know the penalty of sin is death. But I now believe that you died for me. I believe you paid for all my sins on the cross. And I believe you rose again the third day. Right now I open my heart and I receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving me clothing me in your righteousness. And then for that second group of Christians coming back to the Lord now, something like this. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know I haven't been living for you. I know I've been casual. But today I'm reminded of your love. And your love motivates me to go up to the front lines and be a fully devoted follower of you. Empower me by your spirit to live full on for you. And I look forward to the day when I hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name, amen.